And we are live and we are back. Let's go. I'm Corey, your host, one half of the Corden Full of Fat Podcast. And I am back like I never left with another installment of Wealth Wednesdays here on the Corden Full of Fat Podcast. We discuss health and wealth, finance and fitness, and everything in between. We want to make sure you save more and say less and keep making better your best. Yes, yes. However, when my co-host Jordan went on paternity leave, we started these Wealth Wednesdays where I get straight to the financial information. No filler in between. And I know Y'all see the topic of today's video, which I believe, not believe, I know for a fact. I've, t- I've touched on a lot of topics like multiple times, right? Financial stuff doesn't really change that much. Like stuff happens in the market, whatever. But joint bank accounts. I watched, oh, uh, what's it called? His name is Ramit, Ramit Sethi. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, if I'm pronouncing correctly. But he has a Netflix special, no sponsorship. And it was going through how to get rich. And helping people manage their finances and put them in a better financial situation. And the thing is about eight or so episodes. And for the couples that were on that show, the number one issue was their inability to manage their finances together. You know what they all didn't have? Every single one, regardless if they were black, white, heterosexual, homosexual, the main issue that they had is that they did not have a joint banking account. And there were, there was a, uh, it was a, a white a white man, and I think she was Middle Eastern woman. They didn't have a joint bank account. A black couple, they didn't have a joint bank account. They're married. Both these couples are married. Then there was, I think, two sets of people about to be engaged. Makes sense to them not have a joint bank account. And then there were two two men on there that were engaged, end up getting married on the show. They obviously didn't have a joint bank account either. But just in short, just the financial infidelity aspect of it. Oh my goodness. Anyways, so I was like. Let's retouch on joint bank accounts because it is such a serious topic. When you hear the relationship stuff on the internet, when they start getting to money and things like that, so much of that conversation, I believe, is rooted in people not speaking from a marriage perspective. Going 50 50, 100 100, whatever it is, we're going to get into joint bank accounts. So we're going to talk about it again today. All right. Now, but before we get started, y'all know what y'all need to do. Y'all need that like button, share, and subscribe. Shout out to the YouTube algorithm. Make sure you leave those rating reviews on the podcast platforms as well. You can follow myself and Jordan on all the socials out there. I'm not, I don't know if I need to say all the socials, Twitter is now X, all this different type of stuff. I'm Silent underscore Corey. Jordan is Stop Stalling Jay. His uh, business page is finally fit 06. Go look on the social media networks out there and find us. All the information is in the show notes as well, where you can find us. I might need to update the Twitter link. Does, does, does Twitter still take you? If I go to twitter.com, yeah, twitter.com still exists. Okay, but then if I go to See, and you know, with x.com and that, oh, it's still showing, all right, so it's still showing me Twitter in my browser. All right, anyways, that's that. Now, did I miss a Wednesday? I technically missed a Wednesday. I dropped on a Friday. I'm like, mm, let me just record a day and get back on schedule. But it is still September when this officially drops, which means interest has started on student loans, but the student loans have not started back up yet. But when y'all hear my voice on the next episode, it will be October which means student loan payments probably haven't started back up yet, but it is the month in which they will start back up. If you have not figured it out, that you need to work your student loan payment back into your budget, unless you're one of those people who's going to opt in for the, you know, continue the deferment, please have already prepared for your student loans to start back up. Hopefully, if you haven't already, but you should have received communication from your loan service provider on the new terms and conditions, your interest rate, whatever has been updated, if it's updated, changed, whatever it is, Hopefully you have received that information and you know who you need to make your payment to. And I would say more importantly, but also as important, make sure that if you did not make 
any student loan payments since the uh, panorama, since the forbearance happened due to pandemic? Excuse me, that your balance is the same as when we started, we had this forbearance back in March 2020. If it's less, then it's less, but hopefully it has not increased, right? There shouldn't have been any interest, no fees, penalties, anything like that for you not having to make a payment. So verify if you can, if you switch loan service providers, you can really be at the same one that your balance has not increased if you were one of these people who did not make a payment. Obviously, if you're making payments all the time, you don't have to worry about that. All right. Please be on top of that. Student loans about to start back up. Panorama is officially overstarted in October 2023. I believe all of, if not most of, at least all the important ones, you know, stuff like the housing, you know, people not being repoed, 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 evicted, things like that. Student loan payments, everything is going back full force to what it was pre-pandemic. And I mean, do y'all want to go back to what it was like during the pandemic? We couldn't go nowhere, things like that. Like it's time to get back, you know, what life was quote unquote like in you know 2019, early 2020. All right. But that's it, y'all. Locked and loaded. And last but not least, this is for entertainment purposes only. Don't sue me, see your mama. Jordan nor myself are finance or fitness professionals. Anything you hear on here is for entertainment purposes only, and you need to do your own research and speak with a professional before taking any action on anything you hear on here. And if you're one of these people who are brave enough to take action from what you hear from us, that's just on you. At least we're talking about on here. All right. Now, y'all, let's get into it. We're going to get into these joint bank accounts. And I got to, I should actually be able to now. I got to start chopping up those videos. I, know, I remember the joint bank account episode I did. That's when we was in two places ago now because we had to move twice. I know, I know that episode was crazy. I'm not gonna, I should link that episode in here. That episode was crazy that I did about the student, uh, student about the joint bank accounts. All right, that's back when I was just going off the top of my head, but you know, now I'm a little more prepared. All right, y'all, here we go. This is from US News the case for and against. So, we're gonna get pros and cons. It looks like for and against spouses having joint checking accounts. Now, I mean, I've, I've already said this before do not, do not joint bank accounts with someone you were not married to unless you're on a joint account from um like an elderly standpoint even in that case though you should have power attorney set up set up attorney of fact you should have that legal work paper legal paperwork set up or obviously if it's your child right if you're if you're a minor and you have a bank account then your guardian slash your parent is joint on that account but if you're talking about another adult please be married Please be married. All right, here we go. Let's get into it. This is by, I'm guessing, is that Marlene? Mary A-L-E-N-E? Marilene LaPonosi? I don't know. Edited by Ray Frager. All right, for those of y'all who don't know, first time listeners, the writers of these articles give me hell when I'm trying to pronounce their names. And this was written January 17th of this year. All right, here we go. One of the most fundamental decisions a couple faces whether to treat money as a joint asset or something to be managed separately. Yes, it is a fundamental decision. I think or to treat it jointly or separately. Recommendation, this is something you should discuss before you get married. And if y'all can't, I would say finances is one of the uh, engagement deal breakers. Although you shouldn't, you shouldn't get engaged, right? If you're doing things properly, planning things out. You shouldn't get engaged if y'all disagree on how you're going to manage the finances. All right. So hopefully y'all agree on how you want to manage your finances up to an extent. Right. You don't know until like, you know, they're actually joined and the bills are coming in. How are you going to manage things? Depends on how much you guys have actually been discussing finances as far as if you know how much debt each other have. If you all know, know each other's income, net worth, things like that. But in general, you should definitely before you drop down on that knee slash yes slash say yes to the person dropping down on that knee should definitely be discussing finances 
right around you get engaged, getting engaged or like right after you get engaged should be something that should be discussed before you get married. Don't, don't get on, don't, when it comes to finance, don't get on the same page with your spouse, get on the same page with your fiance. Fiance and finance are very similar from a spelling standpoint for a reason. All right. Again, traditionally married couples have been expected to keep their money in a joint checking account and many finance professionals tout this arrangement as engendering trust between partners as they blend their financial lives and assets. Let's be clear. Most people who are getting married, they're not coming with many assets. We talk about millennial <laughs> shout out to the student loan episode, but millennials are delaying buying a house. People's biggest asset is usually their house from a, a value of that asset standpoint, but millennials are not you know, putting enough money to retirement. So what assets are people really coming with? I mean, not even I mean, their car got a likely got a loan on it. Like what are people coming with? People don't have that much money saved. So usually people just coming with debt. They come with a net worth and it's a negative one. So let's, I mean, what are people truly coming with? Um, however, as couples are increasingly married and at an older age, they may be more likely to bring substantial assets and come in even debt. And they're bringing in debt, okay? Oh, snap. They're bringing in debt. They are bringing in debt in the union. In those cases, separate checking accounts could be appealing. See, no. Let me, I'm going I'm to continue reading the article before I go on a tangent. In this case, in those cases, separate checking accounts could be appealing if they had had a nasty prior divorce. Okay, that makes sense. If you're coming in from a previous relationship, particularly a marriage, and you get got divorced and there are issues there, true. But then that would be a conversation should you are even ready to get remarried again, right? Even that mindset, you need to still go through some type of therapy before you can actually enter a new marriage. Other situation is if you are divorced slash you have um, a child with someone else and you have... Um, this is made mostly for men, but you have could be women as well, but child support. And that situation, it might be best not to join bank accounts either, because sometimes when you join those bank accounts, there are situations where child support gets increased because now that you've gotten remarried and your accounts are joint and the, your new spouse is working, your child support payments actually increase. So that's something you need to be aware of as well. Obviously, right, do your own research, speak with an attorney um, in that case. All right. Um, Yep, they will be more protective of their finance. True, yeah, come out of divorce, says Mela Garber, a tax principal with New York City based accounting firm. Okay, here we go. If you're considering setting up a joint bank account, here are the benefits and drawbacks um, to factor in first. Here we go. Adds pros of being of opening a joint bank account. Joint checking accounts promote trust and transparency. Joint checking accounts offer a clear financial picture. Joint checking accounts make it easy to plan and pay for expenses. Okay, the first true. The first true. The first two, I would say, aren't true. Someone who has joint accounts, not just on checking accounts, on savings accounts, money market, on everything, beneficiaries, all that life insurance, everything set up. Um, I don't I don't look at my wife's checking account at all. I don't look at what she spends her money on, nothing like that. Because before that, there's something called the budget. See, if you're on a budget, a joint budget, you already know where you're spending their money every month, right? And you guys have these savings goals. So when it's talking about joint checking accounts to make it easier to plan uh offer a clear financial picture. You sit down, you do your budget for the year. You should be paying, preparing already for 2024. When you sit down and do your financial goals for the year, upcoming year, you already know how much money you need to sit down once you do your budget and put aside each month to hit your goals for that year, whatever they are. You don't need the checking account or whatever accounts they are to be joint so you can see these things. Yes, in the general sense, it does promote trust and transparency because you do have access to the account now, even though in today's technology, even if you go and get joint 
you're still going to need to download you know, the app on your phone. You're going to need their login information, things like that, because no one you know, physically goes to the bank now and asks for, you know, goes to the front desk and asks for the monthly bank statement or print out of balances, you know, something like that. So in that case, you still need, you know, I had to log on my wife's phone and, you know, download the app on her phone and log in so she can you know, log in whenever she wants to see anything. But she doesn't she doesn't do that. OK, all, you know, she keeps turning on these, you know, these lights. They keep working. Their food keeps showing up. And again, like I said, the the budget is joint and again, transparency in the sense of she has access to everything. Right? She's the beneficiary on her life insurance. She's on health insurance. She has access to the document that has all the passwords in case I get incapacitated, all that type of stuff. So it kind of it kind of is what it is at that point. Right? I think a joint banking account is sort of, you know, I would say just par for the course. In a general sense, if you get me, this is talking about marriage in this case, where you're married, if you're married and you got kids, just join them big accounts. Like, what are you doing? How am I? I got my wife on the life, I got my wife on the life insurance as a beneficiary. I got her on the health insurance. She's on the dental, she on the vision. She a mother of my child. But now you can't you can't get you can't get joined in the checking account. That that's too much information. All right. Join checking accounts, promote trust and parents. Okay, we're gonna attack each point. Point by point, ask financial planners about the benefits of joint checking accounts, and they will likely point out that shared accounts foster communication and trust. In order to manage money together successfully, couples must be open about their financial wants, worries, and goals. With joint account spending can be easily viewed by both spouses, and that level of openness can be reassuring. Again, you just have a budget. You don't need to physically go and look at the checking account. I mean, you can in theory but again if you're on a zero-based budget in the month before you get paid again right you get paid on the first and 15 before you get paid again coming up on here on october 1st probably gonna pay on friday because um on a sunday but when you get paid right, at the end of this month or the beginning of october there should be no money left on the account because we're on a zero-based budget so all of the pennies that we get are already allocated and as long as all that money is at where it's at you know you got debt, debt goals savings goals not payment goals whatever it is all that money should be there Okay. Now, here, here's the one thing when it comes to a joint checking account. I think people view it as the joint checking account is where the bills have to come out of. If you're in a situation now, millennials, like I said, are getting married later in life. So you're every, most of you are already have all your payments. You're already making your own payments and things like that set up. It kind of doesn't make too much sense to now update where your payments are coming out. of. Let's say you both you got a card, no, both you got student loan payment. Um, you know, you got car insurance, things like that. There's no need to now decide who's checking account or go make a new checking account and have all your payments come out of there. Just keep, you know, what's coming, where stuff is coming out or coming out of. Now, if, you know, you're moving in together, right, let's say, and you, know, you get married, then you move in together. And so now you got, you know, rent slash mortgage, you know, you got utilities, things like that. I might need to come out of one place. Cool. Even though in theory, most times people are going to likely already been making those payments. But if you're already making your car pay payment out of your checking account, then you get married. You don't need to now join, have the joint bank account so that, you know, your spouse is seeing that you're making that payment. And I think that that's where this is sort of like it's a conversation with the actual technicality of setting up these joint bank accounts and how it look, how it looks. You're married. Both of you have an income. It gets put into a pot and then the bills get paid how they're getting paid. Like It's kind of that simple. And any new bills that arise doing uh due to you all getting married, that's where you truly have a conversation about, okay, do we need to have a joint checking? A, do we need to have another account? Not a joint account, because all the accounts should be joint, but another checking account where these new bills due to us getting married are coming out of. But any bills that you have prior, your cell phone bill, all the type of stuff, you don't need to, okay, now we got to go to, you know, we got bank A and bank B, now we need bank C and have a checking account there for all of our bills to come out of. That's, if you want to do that, that's cool. 
but that, that's just more work because you should be already paying your bills before you get married, right? Well, joint account spending can be easily viewed. Okay, okay. Those are the separate accounts. Yeah, easily viewed and that level of openness can be reassuring. Though those with separate accounts also may have open and honest relationships. It may be that most harmonious relationships, harmonious, 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 relationships tend to lean toward joint accounts. Yes, most people successfully in a marriage usually have joint accounts. Joint checking accounts, okay, clear financial picture. Another benefit of joint checking accounts is that they make it easy to gauge overall finances in a family. Sure, it's easier to budget when everything is in one pot. Not true. <laughs> if you're in a situation, again, you're getting married, right? So in theory, you're not married yet. So your, your account, not in theory that you're not married, but in theory, you're not married. Therefore, your accounts aren't joint yet. So again, however you're paying the bills before you get married with your separate accounts, that really doesn't change at all when you get married. It's not like, oh, we're married now. And so we have like married bills show up to your house. Right. When you get married, you, you drop in, you know, you turn in that certificate to, you know, your county, you know, your local government, wherever it is for your particular state. That, that's it. You don't get like now all these new marriage bills in the mail. OK, so you don't need now this joint checking account to solve for that issue because it's not an issue anymore. The way we have it set up is we have at my primary fund institution or my PFI, I have you know my checking account where my paycheck is deposited and then my debit card is linked to. Then I have another checking account. They call it request tracking there where that operates as our bills account. And so I put money in that account from my side of the money that I put in the pot because we have you know, it's one pot. Right. But, you know, her money goes into her checking account that she that was already going to her checking. My wife had a checking account before she met me and she had money going to that account before she met me, before I even knew she existed. And I had the same. And it's like, OK, we're going to be together. So now we're going to have a set of new bills. Right. We got rent, utilities, things like that. So now we're going to have a separate checking account where that stuff is going to come out of. And then the way our finances are set up, the pot of money goes into that new checking account. And then the money has to be there when it gets paid. Now, the money that gets put in there is major is not majority is all of my money because I make enough money to pay all the bills. And then once all the stuff is taken care of, then, you know, groceries, all that stuff gets paid, you know, as, as we go and buy it. And then whatever else she was paying for and the other things, you know, hair, nails, all those crap that women buy, then that comes out of her checking account. It doesn't need to come out of this joint account now. Why do we need, we don't need her hair, whoever she's Venmoing or cash apping for her hair to come out of the same account where our rent is coming out of that. Why? It's already come out of one place. We do the budget. She's not in the red. She never says she's in the red. I don't, I don't need to look at her account. It's that simple. It's that simple. I, I don't need it for clarity. And I think part Part of the issue is y'all be marrying people y'all don't trust. And then, so now you got to build that trust after you get married from a financial standpoint. All right. It's easier to budget. You have everything in the same pot. True. Too many, too many bank accounts can be muddy. The waters make it difficult to properly track spending in pinpoint areas where family's budget could be improved. Exactly. So something like our groceries, that comes with the credit card. But the bills account that I said that we have, only bills come out of that that are actual bills. So like groceries aren't a bill. Right. We don't spend the exact same amount on groceries every month. We budget for it, but we don't spend the same amount. Rent, utilities, even though utilities vary, but, you know, stuff that, you know, has an actual due date when I say from a bill outside of really our cell phones, because we still we're still on our parent plans. Those are probably the only bills that don't come out of that account. Um, car insurance, life insurance, all that is coming out of one account that has thousands of dollars in it to cover all the expenses that, you know, that tolls for the month. And that just gets replenished when I get paid. It's that simple. And then again, like I said, 
anything else is going to come out, you know, put on a credit card and pay it off every month. And then again, like I said, her checking account, she's paying what Hulu, all those are crap that aren't large expenses, but that she's taking care of that she was taking care of before. There's no, there's no need now to, to merge it as it's saying muddy the waters to make it even more complicated. Cause now we got to move even more money into this account. All right. Joint checking accounts make it easy to pay, to plan and pay for expenses. Couples may want to keep joint checking joint accounts because they ensure both spouses can access money. And yes. Okay. Yes. This is the line. Couples may want. No, you want. I may want. You want to keep joint accounts to ensure both spouses can access money at any time. Yes. That is one of the main reasons is that both of you have access. The last thing you want to do is show up to the bank and think because you are married, you have access to your spouse's account. That is not how it works. I've told many of people. I know y'all may be married, but you're not on. You don't have the privileges on this account. Not even a convenience user. You can't get any information on this account. Or how about this? You may be joined on the savings by the checking. You can be joint on. I'm gonna call them sub accounts, but you know, there's savings account, there's checking accounts. Like I said, you can have like a an extra, you know, money market or like a particular club account. They may call it a Christmas account. Like you know, you save for Christmas things like that. You can have different permissions on those various accounts as the someone who is not the primary. So you have your own bank account. And when you create all these different sub accounts, a checking, a Christmas account, you have full access to that because you're the primary. But then when it comes to your spouse or someone else, not it doesn't have to be your spouse, anyone else being joined on the, that account, you have to um, be explicit and say you want them to have whatever particular permissions, in this case, the joint account permissions, which means they essentially have access to everything. They're essentially just like you. They pretty much all they can do is close the account. You have to be explicit with that. So you can make it so, and I've seen it plenty of times. Yeah, you're joining on the savings, but you're not joining the checking. So you can't get any information out the checking account. As you can imagine, the checking account is where the money gets deposited from a paycheck standpoint and all the bills come out of. And then the savings account is only the $5 to open up the account and keep your membership. All right. So that's something to be um, something to take into mind when we're talking about joining bank accounts. It is so that you have access to all the money at the same time. Say something happens where your spouse, unfortunately, gets incapacitated. It might not happen to you. Don't want it to, but it's probably going to happen to somebody, you know, because that's how life works. Or, you know, somebody, you know, from like, you know, your friend's friend, something like that. And then they're not joining the account and thus they have no ability to pay the bills. And now you got to be in this. And usually in most times, people don't have the power of attorney or the affidavit from affidavit from a medical standpoint set up to they say where it says, hey, even if I'm not joining these accounts, once my spouse, if my spouse, excuse me, gets incapacitated, I now have power of attorney and I can, you know, conduct the finances for them. If you don't have those two things set up, power of attorney or you join their account, if something happens to them, you have no access. Now, in that case, you know, you can't go through the courts. But the last thing you want to do is with your spouse, you know, in the hospital on life support. Now you got to go to the court to make sure you can pay the bills. OK, now you got to make a decision if, you know, you want to take them off life support so you can get the, so you can get this life insurance coming in, which, you know unfortunately in that situation but it happens to some people like i said i've turned many of people away like you're not joining the account and you being married has doesn't do anything for you at a bank tell you the truth it does nothing for you if only one person's name is on the account that spouse becomes oh i'm <laughs> i swear to y'all i do not read these things ahead of time if only one person's name is on an account and that spouse becomes injured or ill their partner may be unable to pull out money needed for medical expenses or other bills should i tell y'all Oh, sorry, they're going to be swallowing, dehydrated like a mug. We're not getting no sleep around here. So, all right, cons. All right, here we go. I'm almost done. Yeah, because it's about, it's technically it's my shift. I'm 22 minutes over, but regardless, cons of opening a joint bank account. Separate checking accounts promote autonomy. Should you have autonomy in a marriage, right? The two become one. Separate checking accounts mean money may not be touched by others. Not may, it, it, it guarantees it. They're not joint. You can't touch the money. Separate checking accounts offer less ammunition for money battles. 
You sure? Not really interested to read that paragraph. Keep reading more for more information. Okay. Some people may balk at combining their assets with another person, even someone they deeply love. If two people get married after establishing their own separate careers and building up their own financial assets. Who are these people? This is why it says if, hypothetical. In America, that is not the most case for most people where people are building all these assets. They might be building assets, but not building networks. They all this debt. The transition to a joint checking account might seem rapid and unnatural. Not really, because if you have all these assets, your assets, in theory, shouldn't be in your checking account. I mean, you, you have your whole life savings in your checking account, or you got a 401k, which you can't be joined on, very beneficiary. Um, if you got you know, a brokerage account, you can create a joint brokerage account, but usually that person is going to be the beneficiary. You might open up another uh, joint brokerage account. But again, from an asset standpoint, not going to be joined on it. You don't, you know, what are we talking about here? Uh, the transition to joint account might seem rapid and unnatural. It definitely is rapid. You sign a paperwork and it's done. Says Celeste Revelli, Revelli, a certified financial planner and director of digital planning at ah, Fidelity. Okay, here we go. Separate checking accounts mean money may not be touched by others. Separate accounts allow each partner to retain their financial independence and spend or save how they want. True. That in turn may lead to more harmony in a marriage. A spouse doesn't feel as if he or she has to justify spending habits. True as well. That autonomy may be particularly important to those who marry later in life and are used to managing their own money. Yes, if you're if you're in a situation where you, you know, let's say you've never been married before and you get married, you know, plus say post 40, because a lot of millennials are delaying like late 20s now. If you get married post 40, yeah, but you know, that's a whole different, a whole different conversation. Two people get married in their 40 plus, it's like, all right, yeah, yo, you guys are the anomaly. Okay. We well, we're okay with making a different set of rules for y'all. You just still have your accounts joint, but you know, it's like, okay, you just got married for the first time at 40 and you got no kids. You're getting married and you have no kids, either of you, and you're 40 plus is like, how did both of y'all, both of you made it with no marriage and no kids to 40? Like, yeah, that's kind of that's a unique situation. Separate checking accounts offer less ammunition for money battles. Keeping money separate also avoids a scenario in which a marriage goes bad. Yes, and the spouse cleans <laughs> cleans out a savings account, leaving their partner with nothing. Yes, this is true. But if you don't have a, um, I mean, even if you do have a prenup in place, but if you're married legally, joint whether the accounts are joint or separate, when you go to the court, they they don't look at it that way. Y'all split, they split it in half. Whatever money you have, they don't they don't care whether you were joint or not. But like this, don't and let's be clear. If you are married and the accounts are joint and you decide to get a divorce, don't clean out the money. <laughs> Cause that is that other person's. I mean, it is both of your money. You do have the right to take all the money out, but best believe the judge is gonna make you give that half back. Don't if you do take it out, don't spend it all. Okay. Whether the accounts are separate or joint, if you're in a situation where unfortunately your marriage does dissolve and one of you, and I've seen this before too, they say I'm about to get divorced, you both drive down to the bank or the credit union, and whoever can, you know, do the transaction fast enough. That's who gets the money that day for that moment. But once you go to court, you know, the judge is going to make sure that money gets split back uh, evenly. Uh, putting money in separate accounts can also be useful if one spouse has considerable debt. Not really. Money from a joint account could be garnished. Eh. But the spouse without debt can keep their money out of creditor's hands by leaving it in his or her name alone. Let's be clear. If you're in a situation where your debt's in collections, that should be figured out. This is something you should know before you get married to the person. And that's what you know before you get married. It means you know before the accounts get joined. Like that, that should be stuff you have figured out. All right. However, and you know, when do you discuss finances? Before you get married. However, don't think establishing separate accounts means spouses never have to talk about money. In any sexual relationship, you have to have some sort 
I've opened this course about finances as Carrie Jackson, certified financial planner. See, I'm giving you all the same information that all these CFPs are giving you. And director of financial planning with wealth, you know, even, I would say even better. Shout out to these people though. Shout out to Carrie. It's hard to achieve marital harmony without some type of ongoing conversation about shared financial goals, regardless of how daily expenses are handled. Here's the one thing about daily expenses. What do y'all Negroes be buying every day? Shout out to people who's not Negroes. But what do I mean? I don't want to say the other word. What do you can I still can you still say Negro? Is Negro? Never mind. Anyways, what do y'all niggas be buying? <laughs> I don't I don't know what y'all be buying daily. Daily expenses to me are insane. We don't spend money every day. We have we we have a we have a decent income. We don't make the most money. We don't make the least. But when you know we're not struggling, we're not living paycheck to paycheck. But we're not spending. I don't. I can't ever imagine like having to spend money daily. If we happen to spend money every day. That's one thing. But our budget is not set up to spend money every single day. That's insane. That's and you know, y'all need to say y'all ass in the house. We go go to work, come home. All right. The best argument. Excuse me. The best arrangement may be combining. Okay, we're at the end. Joint and separate account. What is? How do you combine joint and separate accounts? Well, let me read and figure out. While there are benefits to both joint and separate accounts, the best way to manage your money in a marriage could be a combination of both. The way I see it, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Yes, we're talking about a situation where we have a joint account, but then you also have a separate account, right? You have a joint account where the bills come out of, but then you each have your own separate account where like you guys are saving money. But if you guys have these joint financial goals, how can how then how can how can you have joint or shared? Didn't it say shared financial goals? How can you have shared financial goals with a separate bank account? Please explain it to me. And I'll, and I want to be very clear. There's not that much stuff to save up for. Like for those, if you're in a situation where you are like already have a house, what else are you saving for outside of the emergency fund? You're not like, you shouldn't be saving money anymore. You should be in investing money. This is, you know, talking about bank accounts here. This is more from a saving standpoint. What else are you saving for after you buy your house? And by the way, even your house down payment. I mean that when you save for a down payment, you, and hopefully you were saving you know, everything you can. Why, why do you need two different ways? Because I'm, again, many people, they, again, like I said, they have, someone's drawing the savings, not on the checking. They'll, they'll have not even different banks. They'll in the same financial institution, right? They'll have some separate accounts, some joint accounts. When I talk to couples, I recommend a blended strategy. Jackson, no. See, I'm not recommending a blended strategy. Spouse can funnel paychecks into one joint account. See, no. Why do you have to? This is, this is where I get confused. Why do you need to put your money into one account that would mean that you're you're living above one person's income again people usually have bills 99 percent of the time they have bills before they get married so however those bills are being paid before you get married they should just continue to get paid that way then all you do is just go to the bank or the credit union and join each other in the accounts you don't need to set up a new way to pay the bills now, if you want to have all the bills, excuse me, come out of one account from a consolidation standpoint, so it's like, okay, like say you combine car insurance, right? You have, you know, you're not married. So you have two car insurance payments, then you get married. So we did, all right, we each had our own car insurance payment. We got married. We have one now. So now it's come out of one account, but whoever, usually you're going to, you're going to go to somebody's insurance, you know, whoever's the cheapest, if you, if you have different, you know, a different insurance company and then whoever's paying that just pays it. Now, if you want to set up, right, another bills account. For that, that's one thing. But like for us, 
sorry about that message. All right, anyway, for us, our car insurance overall went down. Like my 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 car insurance went up technically. Um, you know, because I was just paying for myself, but it was less total. I think my insurance went up a hundred dollars and my wife's insurance was $155. So technically we saved $55. But that that money that she was paying, she just started putting that. Well, I mean, when we were pregnant at the time, but it was going towards the savings account, you know, to pay, you know, pay for all the stuff we need for, for our son at the time. And all I did was my budget. I mean, I had room in my budget, you know, to go up a hundred dollars. So that's a conversation people don't want to have. Like, you know, you don't, if you're in a situation where you have to do all this different consolidation due to an actual math standpoint from a dollar amount, regardless of the accounts are joined or not, but you can't take the couple hundred dollar increase. That's a whole other issue than the accounts being joint. See, before the accounts get joint, we execute your budget and we see where you're at from a straight up math standpoint. You got this income, your spouse has this income and your expenses are a certain amount. And how much do y'all have left over? And then based off of when the bills are due and how much money you already have on cash on hand, how do we need to set things up? Then we talk about the accounts actually being joined. But getting, get, getting joined accounts, again, like I said, just paperwork standpoint from the bank. If you're in a situation, like in my case, where I couldn't I couldn't take the $100 increase, so now I need my wife to transfer $100 from her checking account. It's like, oh my goodness, whole other issue. That's a completely other issue besides separate and joint bank accounts. And that's the one thing. Well, I, said, I think I said on the, live, on the video about this. Both of you are broke. That's Somebody needs to tell you that y'all both broke. And that might be the actual issue, which it is in America, right? You're talking about people who don't have $400. But in their hypothetical scenario, I think all these people have money. All right. Uh, yeah, for house, yeah, spouses can funnel paychecks into one joint account for household bills. That's not the case. When my wife get paid, her money goes straight to her checking account. When I get paid, it goes to my checking account. But we're both joint on those checking accounts. All right, so two separate accounts, two two in, two different accounts. Should I say not separate? When you separate here, but she has an account, and then I have a checking account. And then when I get paid, it goes into mine. When she gets paid, it goes into hers. It, it is that simple. But we're both joint on those accounts where our checks get deposited into. All right, and then we have another account that we're both joined on, and which the bills come out of. And I, I funnel the money into there, right? Because I got enough money to take care of. You don't need to put money in there because it's this. Even though they're different accounts, it's still the same pot because all the accounts are joined. It's still, it's still our money together in the sense of this one pot. All right, and it's like, okay, we gotta pour some over here for these bills. All right, we gotta pour some over here, over here, over here. And it's like we, we'll move stuff around if it makes it easier. I'm doing that. I still gotta do it, but get a couple more bills just come out that account that are just you know bills that I think the last thing I need to do is car insurance. That probably needs to come out of that. But I was also always coming out of my original checking account when I was living at home. So I was like, oh, it is what it is. All right. Now, another option is to have paychecks deposited into separate accounts and then transfer an agreed upon amount to a joint checking account to pay bills. That too, that's just more transactions. And this is really respectful. And I, I don't think tellers are the only people who do this, but how many times I've had to audit people's bank accounts like right then and there. And you don't come to the teller, get your account audited, but they ask you, like, hey, where's my money at? And these just create more transactions. Why deposit, for example, your thousand dollar check in account, your thousand dollar check into your account, and then transfer two fifty into this account and five hundred here? It's like my goodness, are y'all people on a are you on a budget? Because see, when you're on a budget, you don't have to set all this stuff up, right? Because you 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 know what money is coming out when and where and how much. So you don't really need to have all these different accounts in place because you're on a budget. See, when you're on a budget, it makes it very easy to see how money is coming in and out of your bank account. Cause that's where your budget should reflect. Your budget should reflect how the money is coming out of your checking or not your checking account, but out of your bank account in general. All right. Either way, it's wise to create a mechanism, power of attorney, legal document or transfer on death provision that allows each spouse access to cash and separate accounts. Should one person become incapacitated or pass away? Like I said, 
all right, end of the day, right? Again, it is your own decision as a couple. That works best for your marriage. True. End of the day, your marriage is your marriage. Right? Who am I to tell you? I'm just telling you how I see it in my experience from a personal coaching people, work standpoint, all these different things. Part of the conversation starts with setting financial priorities together, understanding each other's values and aspirations, and where there are commonalities and differences, Ravelli says. If you and your spouse have trouble starting this conversation at home, meeting with a financial planner may help. Yeah, come see me. Because I want if y'all broke, I'm gonna tell you y'all broke. A lot of y'all be fighting over a couple hundred dollars. Like, y'all ain't got time for this. All right, again, the case for and against spouses having joint checking accounts by Marlene, Mary Lean, La Panazzi, and edited by Ray Frager. All right, y'all, that's it. Locked and loaded again. Joint bank accounts is not this serious. It is not this serious. Again, this joint, we talk joint bank accounts. We're talking about adults. We're talking about married people. If you're not married and you join on an account with, in short, what people call your significant other boyfriend girlfriend that's on you we, you got a whole other set of issues but for married people out there join the accounts then when your account is joint technically before right because you you should be some of these things that I say aloud y'all should already have done you know your whenever whatever you know the next budget is you know after you get married whatever first month that is i'm going to quote whatever the very first full month it is that you're married do your joint budget Y'all should already have figured out, okay, I have this, I'm making this much, you're making this much, is how much money you come uh, taking care of, things like that. But a lot of the issue is that you have joint, maybe not from a banking standpoint, but you have merged your finances as far as you're each covering different things before you get married. And that makes stuff a little bit, you know, muddy the waters, as it said in the article. That might make it a little bit harder. Excuse me. To set things up from your standpoint, as far as you know, if you if you're not you know the financially savvy person, that would be hard for me. But just in general, it, it makes ours like you okay, you were helping her with her car note sometimes or this and that, and it's like, so does she actually make enough money to pay the car note, or do you? Because once you get married, it's like, you know, it's again one pot. Okay, so if y'all got you know a ten thousand dollar income, for example, and your bills total, all your expenses, everything is eight thousand dollars, and you got enough money, right? You got two thousand left over. But if when the money comes in or who's paying for what, you know, when you were not married was sort of just, you know, you who's paying for what, not clear and concise. Then when you get married, it may be a little more confusing instead of the bank accounts, even though the one payment is coming out the husband's account. If the wife is the one paying for it, then it needs to come out of her account now. And it's like, well, I need to be joining that. that now stuff is getting confusing. That's because you haven't been budgeting properly. All right. But that's it. Y'all again, locked and loaded. End of the episode. Make sure you hit that like button, share and subscribe. Shout out to the YouTube algorithm. Make sure you leave those rating reviews on the podcast platforms as well. Again, my information, as well as my coach, Jordan information, is in the show notes. Please follow us on all the socials. And then finally, fit.lives, where y'all can sign up for the 5.30 a.m. Monday and Wednesday virtual training sessions, which I need to, once I can get some sleep and get better on the schedule, I will be back in. Because I know we, we, when I say we, as in you know, the finally fit fam, more people have joined. I'm saying we, it's in my business, it's not my business. But more people have joined the group since I've been you know, uh, not sleeping since my son has been born. So I'm excited to finally get some sleep here and hopefully in the coming weeks and get back in and join those classes. All right. But all right, y'all, if y'all have any questions, concerns, please leave a comment. Let Jordan and myself know what you thought about this video. Yes, I will be reaching out to Jordan at some point in time to get the finance and fitness part of the Court in Full Effect episode back and started for y'all. All right. We got, we had a lot of stuff going on in the last year. Okay. So our schedules just got destroyed. And so now we got to figure out how to get them back together. But all right, y'all, that's it. Remember to save more and say less.
keep making better your best. And I'll catch y'all in the next one.